Hello, everybody. You're listening to the very last episode of the hit podcast, The Unsanitary Pod Sauce. The only pod sauce hosted by me, Tim Rose, and my partner, Michael Riker. That's right. A whole four episodes, and we're already going out in a blaze of glory. There's no big story here, so cancel your appointment with TMZ. I'm working on three projects, so we decided to record all three projects last week to figure out which one of the three we had the least interest in continuing, and this ended up being it. Unfortunately, it was the one that involved the most amount of marketing and branding due to the small amount of listeners it had garnered. And with the editing for the YouTube channels I already have, the lack of interest from my friends and family, and the time it takes to edit the audio versus the amount of gratification I got, it was pretty easy to decide to cancel this project for now. These were always meant to be pilot episodes to figure out what I wanted my podcast to be like in the future, and I will continue to use these blueprints for any podcast I decide to do should my schedule open in the future. The idea behind this podcast was always to record an episode featuring a guest each week, then write an accompanied column to go with it. The whole idea was scrapped when I realized I was stretching myself way too thin once you add in my personal life to this mix. I want to thank all my past guests, which were the three hosts of the SMC Wrestling Podcast, as well as my co-host of this podcast and my partner for the YouTube channel Nerd Outbreak, Michael Riker. Today's episode is titled The Five Ways Watching the WWE is Like Being in a Relationship with an Abusive Ex. We go into details about how the times we fell in love with wrestling, how we fell out of love with wrestling, and the times it hit us and made us cry into our Hulk Hogan pillow buddies. Stay tuned. So when was the last time you actually watched like a full show? A live show. A live show. Oh, it's been years. Really? Yeah, it's been it's wow. been years. Like For I don't me, even, I don't even yeah. have cable. It's so basically what cool. you're saying is we're running a show with four guys who don't really watch it that much. Right. That's I like point. it. Now we got Travis, so we got two people we're gonna just like talk down to like I know you don't watch wrestling. Oh, he does that. Wow. He beats, that he beats yeah. me with a stick. He's like, I know you don't watch wrestling, Michael. Shut up. <laughs> you want to know what I don't like? Shut the fuck up. <laughs> Let me talk so I can tell you what you don't like about the current product. <laughs> Number five. This is the moment when you fell in love with wrestling. The moment you saw half-naked men rolling around on each other and decided that this is definitely the show for you. And that maybe your gender preference on MySpace wasn't as black and white as you originally thought it was. Where did you see half-naked men and think, I want to keep watching this? Go ahead. <laughs> I was about nine years old, I remember. That's Ooh. how it, yeah. It, it got, shut up, don't judge. Don't <laughs> judge, okay? Don't judge me. Uh, anyway, I was about nine years old. I, it had to be, I don't know if it was UPN or whatever the time SmackDown was on, but I tuned it on and they had this big, this big, tall motherfucking guy and he looked like a giant. And then this other white guy that was, seemed like a no name, but his name was John Cena. (laughs) And, um, generic guy. Yeah, just a generic guy. And, uh, I... I'm just nine, so I don't know what this is. And I see him going to his ring, and they're starting to hit each other. And I'm like, "Oh, this is this is cool. They're they're hitting each other. No one's doing anything. This, this I can watch this. This is all right." And I was like, "Well, the big guy's gonna win," and um, which we now know is the Big Show, right? And uh, but I was amazed at the guy that I thought was nobody, which is John Cena, picked this guy up and 
toss him over, and I'm like, "You guys can't see this right now, but Michael's sporting a ten foot boner." Go ahead. <laughs> I need to go to the bathroom real quick. I'll be right back. Okay. Just talking about this thing, like this big guy lifts him up. He just lifts him up, you know, and I'm just like, "Oh, good lord." <laughs> Uh, no, but I was, that was really amazing to me to see as a kid. So I was like real impressed. I remember running right upstairs. My dad was like, you should have seen this guy. You ain't going to believe this dude was like way shorter than him. Had nowhere near, you know, I mean, his physique was all right, but I was like, he picked. We've talked about this before, but John Cena actually has a miraculous physique. He's actually jacked as hell, but next to the Yeah. He looked like. Yeah, he looked like a toy. (laughs) So I was amazed to see him pick him up and throw him over his head. So. That was probably when I was like, I I, I think I like this. Uh, in two thousand four ish is what it sounds like. Uh, was that? I don't know if my dates are correct, that's yep. probably around that time. Mm-hmm. Uh, to be honest with you, I was probably in a different stage of my wrestling fandom at that time. Uh, I was watching before that, uh, so um, I would I would be honest with you, John Cena's like, what's the right word? Like his, uh, I can't even think of the right word. His ascent. And in wrestling, I missed a lot of that, to be honest with you. I did not, yeah, I was not watching. I, I was played out. The prototype, that's what he came out. Because he wore, he wore, like, them spandex shorts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. that one, like, front haircut just right there. rest was all shaved Ruthless off. Ruthless aggression. Yeah. He, yeah, he just came out. He's called the yeah. prototype. And I'm like, what? Yeah, yeah that, that, whole, that whole era, uh, man, I, I'll be honest with you, I was probably about 19. So my focus was elsewhere at the time. Uh, college and women, so the wrestling kind of took a backseat because yeah, college that, and he stressed I, out. I, I'm women. sorry that, you're, I, well, you, that you were I nine oil men at nine. Okay, <laughs> oh no, gotta... I liked him at I liked him around eleven. So we're okay. I'm just letting you know. <laughs> I like uh, this guy. I'm just letting you know uh, around that time a little bit different for me. So man, I really wasn't watching a lot of them then. To be honest with that, you, that match actually sticks out in my mind. It was one of the very first moments where they actually had John Cena lift somebody heavy just to show off that he could do it. Because if you notice that every time he faces off against a monster, that's what he does now. And sure. it's always on a live TV show where you're like, oh my god, I can't believe he can do it. But like he he started out doing it to the big show. He's like, Literally anybody after that is yeah. paperweight. But you know, that's yeah. what he do. He'll he'll go against the monster and he'll hit the attitude adjustment or the FU. I missed it when it was the FU. Yeah. And that, that's, that's the gimmick, and that's what makes you think, oh my god, John Cena could actually win, even though he wins every single match he's ever in. So then yeah. you're like, wow, he could actually win, because of course he can. He doesn't yeah. lose. <laughs> Alright, so let's let's move on to you. When was the first moment that uh, you fell in love with your, your back and forth? Well, I will say, it's the, the, I actually watched it a little bit when I was a little, little kid, um, but that wasn't really when I first got started. Well, I actually first... My, I grew up in Memphis, so obviously it's a huge wrestling town. Um, and my, my father, when he was a young young guy, used to set up rings uh, and for, like, Mid-South, all that stuff, when he was a young kid, before I was born. And so I kind of grew up watching a little bit, like Jerry Lawler and some of those when I was younger, but I didn't, like, that didn't hook me necessarily. I was just, I was put in front of the TV and exposed to it. Uh, probably first time I saw it was like, this is for me. I'm really lucky. Honestly, um, 1996. So you're talking, but actually wouldn't be WWF for me. It'd be WCW. Mm-hmm. I literally, Same. me and my family moved to the city I live in now when I was 11 years old, like 96 or so. Mm-hmm. And I literally caught it right when Hall and Nash 
invaded WCW. Uh, that whole that whole story was when I literally just so happened to kind of be randomly watching on the TV. Mm-hmm. Not like I didn't watch it the day of Bash of the Beach or anything, but like during that lead up. So I would say starting then was probably when it wouldn't even necessarily be like the oiled up guys wrestling as much as it was the hall promo. You know, you know why we're here or you, you know who we are. You don't know why we're here. That whole thing. So that why we're here. (laughs) Yeah. And as you know, as you know, that would go back to the fact that Scott Hall is my favorite wrestler. So Uh, that's, yeah. that's So that's like, I mean, it kind of started with that. He was like one of the first guys I saw and he was cool as shit. You know what I mean? Like him and Nash were just cool as hell. And that, to me, that was like. You idolize him and that explains why you went through your alcoholic stage. That's right. <laughs> right. So that, I mean, that for me, in terms of getting hooked on it, that's probably where it starts. I'm, I mean, and I watched, you know, we'll go, we'll go further, but that, that from where, like, in terms of getting hooked, that's, that is where it starts. The, 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 the NWO, the formation of the NWO. Yeah. I actually started a year after you. I started at Starcade. And here's okay. a fun little story as to how this happened. Okay. I did not watch wrestling. I was invited to a Starcade get together. So I was like, whatever, I have no friends, I better do it. <laughs> so I go there, and they're asking me questions like, who do you think's going to win? I'm like, the guy who looks the coolest? Like, I mean, <laughs> it was funny because it was Goldberg versus Mongo McMichael. And uh, I was like, well, the guy named uh, Mongo sounds stupid, so he's so not going to win. Goldberg. And Goldberg looks like he could tear him apart. So we're, And everyone's like, Goldberg, he's so new. Like, Why would you pick him? I'm like, because he looks the coolest. But and he ended he up winning, cool. of course. Yeah, he he's cool. But the funny part about that story is that was my first ever interaction with a gun. The, the, the kid who was hosting this party started waving around a shotgun, thinking it was oh, the that... most hilarious thing. So now oh. I'm, I'm scared. Oh, no. I'm scared. Like, no, the other guy's going to win. You know, I don't even like that other guy. Like, oh, God, but Mongo, Mongo's cool now. Oh, you yeah. said Mongo. I thought you said the other guy. Right, yeah. Course, yeah, that got me hooked because I was, I was watching and I'm like, well, this skin guy seems pretty cool. This, we was going through the crow, you know, the whole black, yeah, white oh, thing. yeah. So I was kind of hooked. And at the time, I didn't realize that WWE <clears throat> was just full of knockoff gimmicks, so I didn't know it was the crow. I, I hadn't, I had no clue. I just thought it was cool. I thought it was a unique gimmick. I didn't realize that it was just a movie, sure, but, yeah. So that, that was my first moment. Um, and for the record, Sting wore a, a singlet, so he was fully closed. Anyway, moving on. Um, so Travis, <laughs> when was like the first time you started watching wrestling? Um, I never really watched wrestling until my uncle invited me to an actual live event at EWF, which was held in Marion. And oh, my, I used to go to those. My first event yeah. was actually uh, the guest stars were the Dudley Boys with Spike Dudley. <laughs> okay. I, think I heard about yeah. that one. I didn't go to it, but yeah. So yeah, that was my first experience actually going to a live event. Then after I want to say about a month afterwards, I came across that on TV. And unlike you guys, I enjoy females, so it got me hooked with what, that. What is with these two judges? He's like, oh, I was busy with college and girls, and in, he's like, I'm watching female matches. In all matches. fairness, back then, the women's matches sucked. But okay, we're, yeah. we'll, 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 true. we'll move on. Well, I came across uh, Chris Stratus' match. So oh, dear oh, Lord. Well, I guess but, yeah, you got to. Chris Stratus. Yeah. Damn it. I'm like, i got to watch the rest of this. Yeah. And that was my first actual watching an actual show. All the How old? You were a teenager, right? I was probably 13. Okay, yeah, that explains Ooh, that. He sprouted. Yeah, that explains they like, oh, I think I like wrestling now. <laughs> oh, 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 <laughs> I gotta go to the bathroom. I didn't realize that wrestling yeah. had boobs. Man, yeah, I used to go to those. They used to have. They used to bring in like former or current WWE or WCW people. 
15. Past their prime, usually. I saw that. <laughs> Samoa Joe was there before he got famous, which mm-hmm. he's an ass. I saw Davari before Davari was on WWE. Okay. Oh, so it's like uh, those events that I went to when I met Carlito then, because that was after he was done. It was bef- it was before Samoa Joe, but it was kind of like that. It's after you're done yeah. or before you start. Yeah. Those were good shows. Was it was it like a, just like specific to the state that you were living in, or yeah? Because they do like when I lived in Oklahoma, they do like IWR, and they kind of do it just around Oklahoma for the most part. Mm-hmm. And so they do the same kind of thing. They'll have like. You know, the Hardy Boys were there one year. They'll have, like, and this is, like, recent, like, a couple of years ago. They'll have Hall and Nash were there, guys like that. So, like, that's why I was asking if it was kind of similar. Yeah, yeah. Hurricane we, actually hosts that. Yeah, we're in Indiana, so we didn't get those kind of big names. Yeah. Okay. And Converse, the yeah. one I went to, they had Carlito there. Yeah, they I had, like, the B Squad. We didn't get... Kevin Nash. Well, they are. Those, see, those guys aren't really wrestling, though. Hall and Nash don't really wrestle now. No. So when I saw them, they were just there doing a guest thing. Drinking. But, like, Sean <laughs> Waltman was wrestling. The Hardys wrestled. And, like, this year in Oklahoma, I didn't go this year, but they had Carlito. That was a good example. Uh, I know he was there this year wrestling, so. The biggest uh, thing that we got in EWF was Roddy Piper. And it made news because what he did was he took the purse. And left. He didn't show nice. up for the segment. Yeah. He took the money and ran. Yeah. Said that he, he wasn't being accommodated correctly, and he took all the, the ticket sales and the, the pay they were going to give him, and he went home. Actually, yeah. from what I understand, he went to Steak and Shake, and then he went home. <laughs> so. I'll take that Frisco melt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that was, yeah, that was our first moment. So when we I like the Frisco we, melt before the we, Frisco melt was cool. When we first started watching... Naked men, except for Travis, who apparently Travis wants to roll on the teenager, other side of the Was a teenager. Number four, the honeymoon stage. This is the time when we are the most happiest watching wrestling. When wrestling could do no wrong, we were proud to be fans, and we enjoyed the product as it was. All right, Mike, let's go to you. Uh, uh, well, just like he said, you know, it wasn't the first episode, and really, since we didn't have, I didn't have the guide back then i didn't know when the shows would be on ever again so i could never catch them uh so i'd have to say probably when i my my memory serves me when i jumped back i think it was when cena did he got rid of the whole uh thug thing so he did the whole hustle loyalty respect with the bulldog and everything did kind of the army thing and that was with him and Edge's feud mostly. That's when yeah. I remember the most. And that to me was the best time, especially with uh, um, Edge's live sex scene. I remember that one. <laughs> that yes, one was sir. funny. So I'd probably say in that kind of era is when that's when I started watching almost every Monday night. Instead of and that was when Lita was at her hottest. Yeah. Oh, I remember <laughs> yes. that V-neck. Did she come out of that one shirt? Yep. Yeah. I was like, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> I love how all of our first memories of wrestling are just like when like women were either flashing or Trish Stratus <laughs> or wearing nothing. <laughs> and then here I go with mine, where I'm going to be like, well, actually, mine was WCW. It was WCW. I like the NWO when they were putting shirts on people, you know. <laughs> I was a shitty teenager, I know. But, yeah, I was actually watching... I, I was more interested in the Goldberg thing. I was more interested in Goldberg because... This is right around the time where he took over the place of Sting. Because Sting was obviously not going to be the top guy. Hmm. So they replaced him with Goldberg, who just looked the part. Who looked yeah. like he could tear up anybody. And he did. He got over the same way that John Cena did with your segment. He jackhammered the big show. That was his first big thing. 
and people were. I mean, of course, it wasn't really a jackhammer. It was more like was I like, like that though, <clears throat> yeah. right? Yeah, hmm. <laughs> and it's kind of like that was ninety percent the big show, honestly, because he's the one that had to jump that high. Yeah, oh, he just had to guide the body. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's kind of like when Braun Strowman did that kip up, and everyone was like, "Oh my God, it's amazing that Braun Strowman." No, the big show was lifting him into the air. That's how strong the Big Show is, not Braun Strowman. Right. Yeah. So that whole era was kind of the the top one for me. I I liked um, the NWO era, and it didn't bother me when the NWO split up into the Wolfpack. Uh, that gets a lot of shit from a lot of people because hmm. like the Wolfpack was supposed to be heel, but they were clearly the babyface because Kevin Nash does not know how to be a heel. And so yeah. like to me, that was just natural. I thought that they were the, I thought they were the cool group. And then, then there was the NWO, who was just kind of the old group. Like, that, to me, made sense. But apparently, it didn't to a lot of people, and it was confusing and whatever. Well, the only thing where this. it started to go downhill was when, like, yeah. they started trading people back and forth. Right, you yeah. Know, Lex Luthor would be in the Wolfpack. It never made sense. Sting joined the Wolfpack despite being against joining the NWO for that yeah. very reason. But yeah. that's the air. I liked it. I don't know. I was, I was with the, In fact, I even had an email that was just Wolfpack99 at Yahoo.com. Well, I was going to say, uh, no, I've got a story that's kind of similar. When I was, Wolfpack was, I was probably in eighth grade at the time. And the reason why I know this is because if you go through my eighth grade yearbook, I am wearing an NWO Wolfpack t-shirt in my yearbook picture. So I was, yeah, I was, year, I was Wolfpack nice for life. comes in the NWO Wolfpack. Exactly, yeah. For, and I wasn't the only one either. Me and a, me and a buddy had like planned it. We were going to wear our Wolfpack nice. shirts. So I, don't know, I don't know how we got NWO. out of the house. Wearing that crap, I really don't. But yeah, so Wolfpack for sure. I was a big Wolfpack fan myself. Smile for the camera. (laughs) I'm throwing up the sign right now. That's great for an audio show. (laughs) I can see it. Oh crap, car! (laughs) Number three. This is the time when you started to notice that wrestling wasn't the same. It wasn't loving you back anymore, and something was stressing it out a little too much. But my, my moment was the PG era. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I started watching it thinking, maybe this could be okay. Maybe they did a hell in a cell. Maybe this isn't that bad. You know, Daniel Bryan gets fired for choking somebody. Um, a match, I think, with Shelton Benjamin gets stopped because he's bleeding. Um, the swearing was a bare minimum oh. and none. Um, and everybody was like a cartoon character at that point. In fact, I, right. I actually remember the cartoon character, Carlito. Remember, he was chasing Hornswoggle. <laughs> Hornswoggle drew a door in the wall and ran through it, and Carlito ran to the wall. Ha, 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 tunes. But, like, it wasn't... I, I, I was watching it going, why are we as grown men still watching this? Why? Like, they're not even trying to appeal to us. And, and the idea is, as a PG, they're trying to appeal to kids, teens, adults, and grandparents. And I, and I get that, but... There's a huge cutoff, I think, from like 17 and on. And here I am doing a wrestling podcast, but you'll just have to excuse me for a second. I don't technically watch it right now, so I am above all my listeners right now. And I there don't watch it either anymore. And Michael doesn't watch it at all, and Travis stopped watching it forever I ago. Hate it. So we are we're so above people. But no, I'm, I'm Do you feel kidding. us elevated? Do yeah. you feel the electricity? <laughs> we are kings of all as, our watchers. As talkers right now, we are looking down at our listeners like they are no, okay. Let's move on. You're gonna cut we have our no listeners. listeners now. They've all tuned out. Anyway, okay. So yeah, I just feel like th- that's that's the moment where I was just like, all right, you've you you're done. Like I gave you an opportunity. 
everything. People are getting fired. Matches are being stopped. From what I understand, um, uh, Batista versus Jericho, they they got busted open. They got fined. They got fined. Uh, what was that? Oh Ghost. What was that? What was that? <laughs> All right, um, they got fined thousands of dollars, yeah. if I remember correctly. Um, and so did the referee that was involved in the match. Like it was just like I I can't I can't do this anymore. So I, that that was the moment where I felt like it just it, it just it, WWE just came home and punched me right in the face. I didn't even do anything. All right, Carl, let's go to you. Me? Yeah, you. Yeah, you're okay. You're the Carl. Yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah Kevin, okay. over here, Kevin. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Kevin. Um, so. Mine is actually before the PG era because I miss once again a lot of the PG era. I didn't watch. There's it. This is kind of a weird thing, and I, I, I gotta split it up a little bit. But like it started, you can blame Chris Benoit for a lot of this, um, because this isn't necessarily the wrestling related part. We do, but when but when Chris Benoit, yeah, when Chris Benoit decided to kill his family, they were in the middle of a storyline where Vince got blown up on television. I know you guys know what I'm talking about. I'm just, I, don't, I don't know. I remember you know. it. It was mainly. And of course, they had to scrap. <laughs> they had to scrap the whole thing. And while I knew that Vince wasn't dead, like it's one of those things where like I wanted to see where it was going, and they couldn't. And so that to me, they're not insulting my intelligence necessarily. It's what they had to do. But mm-hmm. I tried to like keep with it, and that was the point where I felt like okay. They've let this like I, my biggest problem with it wasn't so much the era as much as it was what was happening to the wrestlers causing them to do shit. You know, you started then when Eddie died too. I mean, you realizing when I was old enough to understand the effects of the drugs and the stuff these guys were taking and the brutal schedule and the stuff they went through was when I actually started getting turned off from it because it's like now I'm supporting something where guys are walking into their workplace and their brain is gone. You know what I mean? And they're doing things that they shouldn't be doing. And like, so that turned me off. And I will say this, the second part of this is I stopped watching for a couple of years after that, when Benoit killed his family, I kind of stopped for a while. I had some buddies wanted to go to WrestleMania 25 in 2009. Let's not go too far in this because that'll be perfect for section five. Well, I didn't, no, it won't be because I didn't actually come back. Oh, okay. okay, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in 2009, I got invited to go to WrestleMania and I went cause it was an opportunity. It was in Houston. I lived like seven hours from Houston. And so I went and I thought, you know, maybe this will be the thing. I haven't watched wrestling in a while. Maybe this will be the thing that brings me back to it. And I enjoyed myself at WrestleMania weekend. It was a fun time, but I did not find myself watching afterwards. And uh, that is to me, that whole combination was proof that what happened then with Benoit was the punch in the face. And I didn't realize it until I went to a WrestleMania and still didn't come back. I was like, wow, I'm actually done, right? Like, completely done with this. So that's why a lot of the big stuff with Cena and all that, I miss so much of that because all that, all those things that kind of went on during that time. And granted, Cena was a big star by then, but I just, it just turned me off completely. Yeah. So not even so much the wrestling as much as just what these guys were going through. So that was you know? actually the pre PG era. That was yeah. basically what was rolling into the PG era. Because yeah, we're getting close. Yeah, and and uh, his wife running for whatever. It was like something Congress or something yeah, like that. Yep, principal or something. All right, so Michael, are we done you? Uh, I was gonna say mine's pretty much you know you and I have always been in the same boat. I didn't care for the PG era. You know after 
that honeymoon stage, the only reason why I know the Attitude Era and the WCW is because that's when they started coming out with DVDs, or you'd go to Goodwill and find a VHS, and I was, that's how I'd studied my history. I went all the way back, I was like, wow, this is some good stuff. And the Attitude yeah. Era, I'd have to say, actually, I can say going back to two, that'd probably be my phase, because that's all I just watched was them DVDs. But going back to, you know, in the 2009 and a bit after, I just, I'd say, it's like, I know it's fake, but I really, and I told you this, I got attached to these stars. You know, I grew up with them. So it's after a while when they started leaving, then the storyline started getting dull. And mm -hmm. that's when I was like, there's nothing, there was nothing that made me feel uh, uh, like a kid again. You know, it was, it was nothing exciting you brought to the table. And I was just like, Finally, that Monday night came where, you know, I was in the middle of Raw, and I shut it off. Shut it off. I was like, I'm, yeah. I think I'm done. And what really sucks is that when, you're going to appreciate this, Carl, when Vince Russo went to TNA, <laughs> I talked I, I talked about it. I was like, you, you've got to give another shot. Like, it, it's Vince Russo. This is going to be fantastic. And, of right. course, in Vince Russo fashion, he was fired like three months later. So right. Michael was like, I'm, I'm never going to try it. You're not going to convince me. I'm like, that's fine because he's gone now anyway. But, yeah, you just you can't come back from the PG era. And I honestly think that there are writers out there that can. I think Vince Russo is one of them, but they're never going to be hired again because I think the idea of having another Attitude Era in wrestling is just over. People yeah. are just in the know too much. They know it's fake. They know that right. Stone Cold did not beat up their boss and isn't going to, mm -hmm. you know. If if Roman Reigns, the top babyface, can back up a truck into an ambulance and murder his opponent in an ambulance, yeah. uh, and that doesn't draw people, that's a sign that it's just it's, it's never come back. It just mm -hmm. can't. That, yeah. They've tried to push like certain things at certain points to say, "Hey, what do you think about this?" And people just won't won't buy it now. Yeah. And I, I blame that solely on the internet. I think the internet is a huge oh, issue. Yeah. With 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 what's happened to wrestling, you know, we, we're too knowledgeable. Is the people on the internet? A lot of them think they know what's going on, and they, yeah. they can't draw the line between real and fake. Yeah, because you know, you and I agree that the world title is a prop. Yeah, people will be like, oh, Daniel Bryan should be world champion. It's like, why? Why <laughs> does he get a bigger paycheck? Do you see him on your TV more? Do you <laughs> care that he gets to take a picture with the world title? Is it his entrance with the world title yes, you care about? Yes. Right. What is it about Daniel Bryan having the world title that means so much to you? Or, yeah. you know, Bray Wyatt. Bray Wyatt loses all the time. It's like, but he's still Bray Wyatt. Yeah, <laughs> like, he what is. do you care? You know, he hasn't held the world title. Oh, yeah, he has. See, I, I forgot already. That's how. You know, he didn't hold it. Well, he didn't hold it very long. That's why. Already. But, you know, <laughs> I think it was either Ric Flair or Vince Russo who one time said, no one's ever won a title. They've been given a title. Right. <laughs> they were yeah. handed the title, but nobody in wrestling's ever won it. So, yeah, I just, mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. The internet, internet has, you know, you, you talk to people and they're like, well, you know, Triple H is holding down Daniel Bryan. He's burying so many people. It's like, you know that? You've right. been yeah. backstage. You know, like, you know that he really was holding down CM, which, I mean, CM Punk has came out and said that he believes he was. But, like, before that, people people didn't know. And that's how it is with every angle. Mm -hmm. People don't know, but they'll they'll talk to you like they're in the business. Oh yeah, right. he's he's lost his momentum. Yeah, they, the office is not you know Enzo Amore. Oh, everyone's pissed at him. He's he's in the doghouse. He he's the face of an entire TV show by the WWE. Yeah. 
the the one and only attra- the main event of Raw. Yeah, they hate him. Yeah. Well, it feels like uh, it feels like sometimes WWE might like to leak a little bit of that fake news. Yeah. To kind of get people thinking, oh yeah, Enzo's got heat backstage, and then next thing you know, he's out there winning the cruiserweight title and literally re- like revitalizing. Which, to the best of his wrong, ability. He probably did go through the wrestler's court. And he probably did get kicked off the bus. Oh, yeah, sure. But management but, doesn't give a shit about that. He's making t-shirts. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. I mean, it's... Uh, I'm with you on that. I mean, I'm not in the business. I don't know. And we always talk about in the intro of the podcast. We don't yeah, know what we, the we don't know about. Not, not. But in my opinion, you don't hate somebody that you then push to the top of the show. Mm-hmm. Right. Sure, I would agree. Yeah. So, who's next? Travis. You're last. Yeah. Travis. So, a lot like you, Carl, um, a few of the, there's been a few instances like the injuries, the mental issues, like Chris Benoit, uh, him yeah. killing his family, Eddie Guerrero dying, Edge's injury, like just them destroying their bodies for this business. Right. And then that takes out my favorite wrestlers, which that was two of like my top five wrestlers right mm-hmm. there. Guerrero sure. being my favorite of all time. I mean, <clears throat> do you ever watch New Japan Wrestling? I've watched it a couple of times. Did you ever see the headbutt? No, I did not. Headbutts, I should say. Headbutts. Yeah, yeah. That's Where brutal. They, real, shoot, headbutt each other as hard as possible. And one guy actually went unconscious in the middle of the match. And they're, everyone's like, yay! Oh it's like, God. that dude has a concussion, you <laughs> fucking asshole. Yeah. Yeah. And people loved it. And they, I've seen people defend it. Oh, that's so, and, but then the very next week... Vince McMahon <laughs> and Kevin Owens do the headbutt. Yeah. He headbutts an 80-year-old man or however old he is. I can yeah. take it. No, can you headbutt me yeah. right now or you're fired, pal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I can that, take it, pal. And, and yeah, Have you seen that good. clip? Have you seen that clip? Yeah. Of he, Kevin Owens headbutting him? Oh, no, no. You didn't show okay, me. Okay. McMahon, like, he, he he shakes his hand. And that's the whole thing. He's, uh, they're, they're, they're agreeing on, on whatever. And Owens he headbutts him. Vince doesn't know it. Is what he says. Kevin Owens says, I have your word, I can beat up McMahon. Yeah, and, he's, and he's so... And he's, like, staring at him. <laughs> but when Vince shakes his hand, he gets in his face, and he says something to him, and it looks like he says, give it to me. Like, give me, like, a real headbutt. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, that's what it looks like if you I watch like, it. Uh, I don't think this is a good idea, <laughs> sir. Yeah. Yeah, it just but... caves in his skull. <laughs> he melts right there, like right. paper mache. But you got to look at it from like Kevin's perspective. You know, he's in an angle with the boss, so that you kind of know you you matter at least in WWE's world. If you get an angle with Vince McMahon, if you get yeah. to beat the shit out of Vince McMahon, you're important. And you, you know, you've in seen my it, opinion. like multiple times where he calls an audible in the ring, and he's very old school. He'll be like, "Do it." Don't, yeah, you know, make it hurt. Don't. We're not yeah. faking this shit. It's like what a moron. Yeah, <laughs> you know? an eighty-year-old man, and he he bled the hard way, right? He got yes, cut he open. Did. It, yeah, that was no rage. And, and to yeah, and to your point, it's like these people, especially in New Japan, are. We've talked about this in a previous podcast, mm-hmm. but we'll bring it up for for Travis. These people are doing real stiff shots because they're trying to protect the business and they're kneeing each other in the head and they're head butting sounds like your type of match travis yeah they're going through like <sighs> stuff <laughs> off the off the top rope onto the floor like one of them does a, a spear off the top rope Let's onto the floor it. It, it's just like and it looks cool don't get me wrong they all look cool yeah but it's just like, okay, but you're going to be dead in five years. So it's like you have yeah. contact with a storyline. Exactly. Well, in, in Japan, um, they think that wrestling's still real. So they're protecting the business. They, they, they're they giving it as hard as they possibly they're can. They're making it real. Yeah. So that people will never catch on. Which, I mean, it's weird because they treat it like it's real, but they know that it's fake. 
So, like, they'll actually have press conferences where the wrestlers will talk as the wrestler. Mm-hmm. And they'll, I mean, you know, I'm going to kick his ass on, you know, whatever. And it's weird because, I mean, they have the internet over there. They know it's fake. But they, they yeah. still treat it like it's this big deal. And so, as such, they, um, they'll actually hit stiff moves. And they hurt each other. And it, it, I think it was Rance and I were talking about it on two podcasts ago. And he had mentioned that they can do that because they wrestle so much less. But no, Dave Meltzer actually came out recently and was like, no, they wrestle the same amount of dates as WWE. Right. They have the that. same amount. Yeah. No. So they're doing this shit, and then they're going back to it the next week. Now, Just I, give me some ibuprofen. I think Kenny Omega took a month or two off. But like they're, they're doing this shit, and they're doing it weekly. Yeah, they're crazy. It's yeah. insane. Yeah, so like, yeah, like to your point, all these people getting injured, they're still doing it. Yeah. <laughs> like, no one's learning their lesson. And you, you, uh, I, I don't, I support people like Glenn <laughs> Birdie, which is uh, Disco Inferno from WCW. Oh, yeah. He's very anti. Like, he's like, stop doing this shit. Well, yeah, I'd say that. Yeah, he's very like anti concussion. He's like, why, why would you do that? You know, like. We used to protect the normal moves back then. You didn't have to hit a flying, diving pile driver off the top rope through a ladder and the whatever. I'm, well, I'm going you, so far away. Keep up with me, guys. <laughs> I'm going. We're going it's, light speed It's right on now. fire. It's on fire. They're going through. All right, anyway. We're going Here's the thing, though, about that, just real quick, when you were talking about that. like people, I've heard people say this specifically. Like Kurt Hennig is a great example of someone who was so good at making it look like it hurt but it felt like a feather hit you on the chest. Like if he would kick you or punch you, he was so good at making it look like, wow, you, he really hit you, but nothing. And so no one can do that anymore. That's right. It's, it's, it's a lost art. It really is a lost art. You see people like in a leg lock for five minutes, reaching for the rope and they finally get to it. And then their leg gets fine. Like, nobody yeah. could sell a move anymore. And I, and I understand, like, if you're John Cena or Roman Reigns, you're probably told not to sell it. But, like, normal people, when they get kicked or a flying drop kick, like, Finn Balor will hit a flying drop kick, and people will be fine. Nobody sells it like it's a big move. But then he hits his finisher, which is a flying drop kick to a laying down opponent, and that's the end of the match. Yeah. It makes no sense. Like, people just can't sell anymore, and that's half the problem. Well, there's a couple other things, too. The PG era. Um, like, those injuries, yeah. like I was saying. Then, um, like, the transition itself. Lita and Edge having sex on screen, mm. supposedly. And then, um, like, John Cena's raps straight to, you can't say a cuss word without someone flipping their lid over it. Did you go right. and watch the HLA era phase? Phase, I should say. What was that? Hot lesbian action. Did you guys watch that? <laughs> no. I'm kind of oh, wishing I did. <laughs> I forget who was the writer back then, but it was Eric Bischoff as the general manager. Oh, really? And yeah. they were trying to get ratings so much that they were like, we're going to have hot lesbian action in the main event. And of course, they would do this like three weeks in a row and somebody would interrupt it. Until eventually, right. I think it was on a live SmackDown where he was over there and he's like, if my team wins, Stephanie McMahon has to be a part of the HLA. And I don't remember where it went, but I, I think she was so close to like touching another girl or some shit. And they, um, no, I don't remember what happened. Do you remember what happened? No, I don't. I do remember it vaguely, but I don't remember what the end game yeah. ended up being with all of that. So, yeah, that that was a good face, but <laughs> it didn't go anywhere. Nothing ever happened. I don't remember. I know Tori yeah. Wilson and Don Marie had their lesbian moment, and that was kind of cool. 
Yeah, do you remember that? Uh, yeah, Tori Wilson was my favorite diva, so when that happened, I was like, all right, I, I love wrestling again. All right, taking this my is, pants off. Yeah, okay. right. <laughs> I've never, like, wore pants when I watch wrestling, but, like, you know. Same. Oh, you too? At, yeah, at this moment, like, when they did the tour, you know, I knocked over some dishes in the kitchen. I'm, you know, oh, I'm see, when I heard John Cena's theme song come up, I ripped my clothes right off. True story. Like, cool. True story. I impregnated the entire neighborhood. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. True story. Number four. I titled this one, Ouch, Ouch, It Really Hit Me. Oh, God, It Hurts. It Really Hit Me. This is the moment when the WWE has changed for the worse. You've stopped watching because it has insulted you in some way. It has physically harmed you or mentally beaten you or emotionally drained you. All right, so this time we're going to start with Travis this time. Oh, shoot. <laughs> I want to say it was probably... It was after the last WrestleMania that Taker actually won. So about, what's that, three years ago or so? Yeah. He lost the last two, right? Yeah. Yeah, so it was about three years ago. After that last WrestleMania, I don't know why, I just kind of slowly dropped out of it. I would watch it once every mm. two or three weeks, then once a month, then just not at all. And the storyline just got worse, which I tried staying up with it, and I could not stay interested to save my life. That's because it worked. Well, hold on, hold on real quick, though. Is this before the streak was over? Yeah, I said it was the last one where he won. The last one well, where he, he won. Well, he won at 32, too, though, because he beat Shane in the cell. Couple uh, of, last year he, he lost to Roman. The year before he beat Shane in the cell, and then the year before he lost to Brock. He went lost, win, lost the last three years. Yeah, before he lost to Brock. Okay, so before the streak, I got you. Yeah. Before the streak was over. Yeah, that was a pretty. I don't know. The last couple of years have been pretty crappy, honestly. Um, I mean, no storyline, no reason to keep watching, other than entrances. And it's almost like the WWE is aware of this. Like that's why they have these big, elaborate entrances because. That's the only time you're going to YouTube anything. I mean, yeah, you showed me, because uh, I remember you'd come to me, you'd be like, check out Finn yeah. Bauer, check out Samoa Joe's, oh, yeah. check out this. And then when the match would start, you hear a bell bell, Boop. Tim would be like, oh, okay, don't yeah. worry about that. Don't Just, worry about the rest of this. That, don't, that don't matter. Yeah, someone wins doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> the wins don't matter anyway, so, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I want your opinion on that. Do Do wins matter? Do I? Well, I don't really think wins matter, so that's... To me, like, well, I mean, here's the thing. Like, it's I, it's hard for me to explain this because I look at the title belts and stuff as a prop. So, like, at any given moment, to me, like, anybody can just be put somewhere and it's fine. As long yeah, as you can. I mean, example. if you're doing it, they're doing it for certain purposes. So, it doesn't really, like, Finn Balor could lose every match for the rest of his life. And it doesn't matter because at the end of the day, like, there's no, like, I don't, it's just weird to me because like it's story Daniel driven. Bryan made the highest merchandise sales in WWE history, losing every match. Sure, yeah, I mean that's a good example. Like, really, it's, it doesn't like sometimes losing a lot is helpful to guys. Yeah. Like Daniel Bryan is a great example of someone who just lost all the time for a while, and it was helpful to getting him to where. Like, if Daniel Bryan came in and just won all the time, other than like hardcore independent wrestling fans, I don't know that he would have gotten. To the heights he did. I don't think he would have been popular. Yeah. Because come I to mean, think of it, he lost his Rumble match to Bray Wyatt and then went on the WrestleMania to win the right. world title, right? Yeah. And here's the other thing. People d hate winners in wrestling. Like, if you win too much, they get tired of you fast. Yeah. I mean, and it's so, but like, John Cena is a like, great oh, example. That wasn't the time for him to lose. Yeah, <laughs> right, yeah. 
You know what I mean? Like John Cena, I think, is a good example of someone who wins all the time, and his shtick got old fast. Mm-hmm. Now, some people still love him, the people that were there from the beginning. But like me, I miss a lot of John Cena. So I walk in, and I see this guy, and all he does is win. I'm like, eh, whatever. Not that interesting. I uh, like someone who, like, yeah. I love reading columns when someone big loses and being like, oh, they shouldn't have lost. It's gonna, they're going to lose their momentum. And then yeah. literally nothing happens. Like, they've not lost their momentum at all. They're probably even bigger. I just love right. reading calm like that. It's like, this is not the UFC. <laughs> if somebody loses, exactly. the yeah. story will move on the next week. They're going to be just as over as they've ever been. People were pissed that Daniel Bryan lost to Bray Wyatt, and he got bigger than ever. But Yeah, exactly. I mean, well, I mean, that's the thing. Like, uh, you think about, like, how that works, right? I mean, you the idea is to win a match, so to say, but, like, the more you lose, the more the fans are like, fuck, we can really get behind this guy. You know yeah. what I mean? Like He's like a lovable loser kind of guy. They do it with Ty Dillinger right now is a great example of someone who never fucking wins a match. But he went from nobody to the 10 gimmick. I don't know. I don't know if you guys have seen much of Ty Dillinger or not, mm-hmm. but like he's like he's I actually over. Much of Ty Dillinger and he's, if you go show. to like a live event, he does the he calls himself the perfect 10. And he never wins any matches. But if you go to, like, now he's in on SmackDown, but when he was on NXT, if you go to a live event, when the ref was doing a 10 count for someone, as he's going one, two, you'll hear the fans go 10 every time. <laughs> and like, seriously, for when every number. the pin, they go 10, yeah. 10. <laughs> <laughs> he's got an over gimmick, you know what I mean? He's, I mean, and he never wins. He, he's like a he loser. He had an over gimmick. Right, yeah, that's good. That was the NXT crowd, and just to be clear on that, on my own podcast here, (laughs) the NXT crowd was the same crowd every week. That's why he got over. That's true. Anybody could get over when it's the same people coming in every day. I I will say this: when he came, I went to the Royal Rumble this last year, and when he came out at number ten in the Rumble, yeah, yeah, that was a big deal. That's funny. He got a big big from there. Yeah, so he definitely got a bit. Of course, there were some NXT takeover crowd. Obviously, the crowd was there, but. Yeah. The venue for the NXT crowd was a lot smaller than the Alamo Dome. Yeah. So when you get to the Alamo Dome and he's still getting a pretty massive pop, that was a pretty cool cool moment for him, I thought. But yeah, I mean losers losers sell, except for Jinder Mahal apparently. But you know, that's a story for another day. Well, yeah, we're not gonna cover that. That, that, that was last that was last week. So yeah. I, I wish we could because I'm sure you and I yeah. could cover an hour on that, but Oh, I'm sure we could, yeah. <laughs> we're, we're we're gonna skip over that. We'll we'll I'll bring it back onto another show when Jinder Mahal loses the title and we'll go over why that's not even a big deal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Michael? Uh I'd probably have to say you know, I remember my mom broke down to me that, you know, it's fake, cause yeah, that, that's just like the Santa Claus dream crush me. So John Cena doesn't take my tooth. Oh no! So I was like, wait, but that guy was bleeding. No, dear, it's just it's, it's just cutting real small sliver usually or something. That's how my mom explained. She said they had actually like supposedly she thought they had like a small slither yeah, that would do that. Yeah. But she was like, they're really all right. I mean, other than you know jumping off and doing them real crazy moves, yeah, but. She's like, it really is just choreographed. These guys just, you know, do stuff. And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> that, that is a hard concept to understand, that, too, that when does. you're a kid. Because yeah. and also, as you get older, you start to realize that there are actual real aspects to it. Like, well, yeah. You can't slam onto the mat and be like, I'm okay. Well, yeah. <laughs> and then I start piecing it together. You know, like, okay, John Cena doing the attitude adjustment to Big Show. You can clearly see his hands on his hips helping, pushing him up. Yeah. You know, I was like, oh. Okay, that is true. 
And then if you catch them right times doing punches, you'd see they open their hands real quick. I'm like, ugh. Well, I'd have to say that it kind of dropped me a little bit in the Ruthless Aggression era. That's when I was just like, okay, I don't really want to watch it. But Now that it's fake, yeah. But then they started getting, occasionally, I don't know your guys' opinion, but then some storylines, at least in my opinion back then, were starting to get good. Uh, and, like, uh, one of them that I really liked, and I don't know if you guys liked it or not, I really liked when Kane did that See No Evil movie. They did that storyline. That went nowhere? Sure. It did go nowhere, <laughs> but it was still funny that it's just, he's trying to rip the big show's eye out. May 19th. Yeah. Yeah, I, May 19th. I just thought it was so funny, but it was so cool, so I just I started watching it again. It's one of those angles where they had an idea, but they didn't have an end game. Yeah, so they it didn't was going execute really, it good. Like, when he was having the match, he'd be like, May 19th, May 19th. And you're like, oh my god, May 19th is going to be so great. And then May 19th came, and he's like, it was the day my parents died. <laughs> we're going to move along now, and we're never going to mention this ever. And they never did. Yeah, they didn't. They, they didn't They brought in an right. imposter cane like a week or two later, yep. but that wasn't even related. And, oh, jeez, that was bad. <laughs> that was bad. All right, so I can see why you start to not want to watch that. Yeah, so <laughs> that, and then probably after a while, then you go through where the people that you grew up with as a kid, they, you know, they're hitting that age, so they gotta start going, and I guess, you know, a couple of people come to mind, you know, Ric Flair, Shawn Michaels, you know, I know The Undertaker, I don't know, he probably, what, shows up only just for WrestleMania, doesn't yep. he, but there's really no storyline yeah. for that after that, so I just started, you know, and I can get into, you know, Triple H's new freaking story with him being the authority and all that. I just, I just started, I was just like, no, this, this isn't for me anymore. It, it's not the same. It's so meta, too, with the Triple H being the authority because he really is the authority. And sometimes you wonder yeah. if what he's saying is how he really feels. Yeah. Like, Daniel Bryan, you're yeah. just not cut out for the main event. Like, does he mean that? Because he, he yeah, that's what right. he's, he's pushing he Daniel really, Bryan. Daniel yeah. Bryan's in the main event, but what he's saying kind of makes sense. <laughs> like, right? Is yep. he saying whatever? Yeah. All right. So have we, have we done everybody? No, well, I didn't actually do. You did the my, question the winning or losing match. Yeah, but you oh, didn't okay, get okay, to okay, say okay, it. Yeah. Yeah. So right. I'll, I'll jump in then for sure. For me, I'm just kind of like I'm questioning when WCW went out of business. Uh, and they ran the invasion angle. Uh, the reason being is because to me, we know that, like at this point, you're a little. I'm a little bit smarter to it, you know. I mean, I knew wrestling was scripted and all that, but I'm smart enough to realize that. Oh well, you're just stupid, that, Michael. You stupid kid. <laughs> no, you man. stupid you kid. Moron. You moron! I knew this already. <laughs> I'm just messing well, with you. No, you're good. You're good. Here's the thing, though. Like Shane buys WCW. From Vince, even though we know Vince owns WWF and only he would be able to acquire the company. So, like, it's this the whole, like, the cross promo thing they did where Vince buys and then, or Vince, I don't even know that. Like, the whole thing just, it gets in my head because it's so awful. And, like, the invasion angle was such a failure. Like, such a tremendous failure. They try to turn Stone Cold heel and it's just like, no, like I still watched it, but I'm like, why am I watching this? Like they took Stone Cold and Kurt Angle, and this is kind of the same time, and made them as out, outstanding as they were. They made them like 
comedy guys yeah. all of a sudden. And while there was some funny stuff Real that quick, came of that. Michael, when Kurt Angle joined the invasion, how did he do it? No, 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 no. He did it with a broken freaking <laughs> neck. <laughs> I yeah. dropped the ball on that you perfect did. We're going to re-edit this. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. I love it yeah. when he says that. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. That, no, that's fine. I mean, that's really it. Like, the invasion angle hurt it a lot for me at the time. And I was already starting to kind of – I was just about out of high school, so I was already thinking elsewhere. You know what I mean? And, like, they didn't do much to keep me when they took two of my favorite characters – and said, you know what, you guys are just funny guys now. Y'all can still wrestle in the ring, but you're going to wear a stupid hat, and you're going to play a ukulele or whatever, and that's it's like, cool. yeah. Yeah, and I, and I, I like comedy and wrestling, but that's you're pushing it now. You know and what I mean? Let's be honest, there's a reason why they had to move their top draws over to WCW. Because oh, they didn't sure. bring any of the top draws from WCW. Exactly. Who they bring? <laughs> Booker T and Mark Jindrak and guys like, you know what I mean? Just yeah. guys like that that were... Which I mean, were great talents, don't get me wrong, but they were not draws. All the really good talents had already come over. We talk about, you know, the Radicals and Jericho and all those guys had already done left WCW. They got out before the ship sank. And so what was left was Sting, who never came, and Flair, who came later. And then Hall and Nash were like, nope, we're going to sit home and make our money. Hogan, too. And so, you know, WCW... Like, when they acquired them, WCW had all these crazy, ridiculous contracts that they still had to pay. So there was no incentive for any of these big guys to come over. Right. It was just, you know, unless you were Booker T, who was probably maybe the most successful guy to come over from the invasion post. But I'm sure his contract was still very small because it was only Vince Russo who tried to push Booker T. Right, right. So, I mean, that's that's it. I mean, after this point, I'm like, eh, I don't know about this anymore. I'm not watching it hardcore. If I, you know, I'm still watching, but I'm not like, okay, like, cause now there's not another company either. So there's not like the, the fun of flipping back and forth is gone. That was part of the fun for me in the early stages. The, the best part of the invasion angle that that raw was when he was literally watching a clip of WCW live as it happened. And it was Jeff Jarrett <laughs> and he was talking about all the names he was going to bring in. And he's like, Jeff Jarrett is like, what was it? What did he say? Like, F-I-R-R-E-E, fired. And then he really did fire him. Like, that was that was real. Like, he was not bringing in Jeff Jarrett. And he fired him. It was great. But anyway, that was probably the best part coming from that invasion angle. But I would agree, yeah. Number five. This is the part of an abusive relationship that happens whenever there's love involved. You automatically think that after the horrible event has happened, that maybe it has changed. Maybe it can love you again. Maybe it's a nicer person now. So you go back, giving it another try, but then you find out it's going to punch you right back in the face. All right, so we're going to move on to number five, which is the... We're talking about the abusive ex-boyfriend here, so inevitably, <laughs> inevitably, you're going to spend some time apart, and you're going to be like, something's going to happen where you're like, oh, I think he's changed. Look, I think, I think WWE I, loves me, okay? I think, they, they I think wrestling is, is, is falling back in love with me, I and I think you. it's changed, and I can go back to watching it. So that's what we're going to talk about right now, is the maybe it's changed phase, mm. where you stopped watching wrestling, and then something happened where you're like, maybe I can get back into this. And I already know the story from Michael. So we're yeah, I blame Michael. you. Yep. Yeah. You, you, buddy. I am the story. I am the law. (laughs) 
I remember you and I were working at Domino's. Ian told me the new writer came to SmackDown, and it was supposed to be they could possibly do the Attitude Era kind of thing because it was. But you said it was the same writer, or it was Ryan no. Ward and Triple H. Yeah. yeah. So I was like, oh, okay. So I watched it. It was good. I was like, all right, maybe, maybe we got something. <laughs> maybe. And maybe started, I'll take my pants off. Here we go. <laughs> and I was like, okay, you got the button unbutton. All right. Putting in the tip. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> this guy's gonna think we're real weird. <laughs> I warned. No. <laughs> um, but uh, and I started watching a couple, and I was like, okay. And then I started researching WWE Network, and I'm like, all right, I'll get into this and start catching up on episodes, start getting names, and you know, learn about why it's and getting. Still, people are hating Roman Reigns still, but I was like, I I didn't mind him, but. And right. um, uh, let's see, I, I started liking some of the divas. I remember Sasha Banks. I was like, oh, yeah, I like her. And I like the uh, Irish one. What, what, what's her name? Becky Lynch. Yeah, Becky Lynch. Becky Lynch. Yeah. I'm yeah. in love with Becky Lynch. Yeah, I liked her, I so I was like, okay. Yeah. And uh, then one week I watched it, and I was like, yeah. Oh, this is it's, still crap. It's still crap. Oh, I didn't recognize this crap. <laughs> and literally that same day, <laughs> the same night I found out it was crap, I was like, WWE Network? Oh. Cancel subscription. <laughs> Went to work. Next time you and I worked, I was like, yeah, Tim, it's still crap. He's like, well, I think it is too. <laughs> and I was like, you lied to me. I should probably warn you that I told you to watch SmackDown and I haven't been. <laughs> All right, Carl, your turn. Uh, for me, it's going to be probably what brought me back into the fold. And just keep in mind, guys, I still go back and forth with wrestling. I have my moments. Like, I still at heart will always be a fan of it and I will always watch it to some level, you know, but I'd still go back and forth. But what really kind of brought me, I think to a point where I was like, okay, I'll at least watch this for a little while. Again, was probably the CM Punk stuff in 2011. Um, I mean, for me, like it brought, it brought, even though they went broke the fourth wall a little bit, I liked, once again, it's that same idea of anti-hero is what Austin was. And CM Punk, you know, whatever you feel about him as a person, because he's to me he's a complete dick. But as a, as an entertainer on that microphone, there are very few that are as good with it as him, in my opinion. Um, and he was able to just, just he was so quick on his feet. He could get in a promo battle with someone, and he could just destroy. Like, and I granted you're not necessarily supposed to bury your mic mic opponent, but he was so good at it. I mean, and he was always good with Straight Edge Society and some of that stuff. I but he was so good, he actually flustered Kevin Nash. Remember that? Yeah, yes, you I say, do. Thank you, sir, yes. Mr. Nash. Like, <laughs> you're done. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's, not, that's no easy feat, you know? Seeing Punk, the summer of Punk, as it were, with the promo before and then the whole angle where he left with the belt. And the, I remember the thinking... Summer Punk, to be clear. Yeah. Right. I remember thinking I'm probably 26 years old at the time. Okay. I'm about, I was like about to have a kid and I'm thinking to myself, wait a second. They actually got me. They almost got me. I was like, wait a second. Is this motherfucker really leaving? Like, is he gone? Like, and I, for a second, you know, until he came back, of course, I, they had me for a minute and I'm like, did they like, yeah, no way. Next week, they actually held a world title match and crowned a new world champion. Yeah, they like, did. They oh, crowned a new champion. really is gone. And yeah. <laughs> and I know. And like for, and they actually had me for just a split second there. And enough to keep me watching to see what would happen when Punk came back and all that. I was able to kind of 
I enjoyed it. He got my interest levels back for a while. And then, you know, the rest after that is history. I've been still up and down based on what I think is enjoyable and what I don't. You know, they put the, and then after that, shortly after, they put Ryback in the title scene. And, uh, you don't like Ryback? That, that, that kind of thing is pretty bad. Although, the only thing that did come out of that was the Shield, which that era I enjoyed for a short, for the amount of time it went on. I enjoyed that. Which they, another thing where they had a great idea with no end game. Like, they're coming yeah. out and attacking, which was clearly to save Punk. But yeah. then somewhere along the line, they're like, no, let's not do this we're, punk we're just, thing. So then he started, they started attacking, like, The Undertaker. Just random people for no reason. But it, it just, they got lucky with that, where it just so happened to kind of work because the three guys were so dedicated to it, you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I, but yeah. I me interested. I was like, oh, this is cool. Yeah. I mean, I don't, very few people, like, hate, dislike The Shield. At least that initial run, you know what I mean? Yeah, so the initial that, run, I don't care for this new Shield, but whatever. Right, yeah. So yeah, for me that would be the, the the summer the WWE Summer of Punk, not Ring of Honor. Yeah, and that's one of those times where it's the PG era, but you still think, oh, they're actually doing a story. I can right. watch this. They're actually following through with a story. That's that's interesting. Mm-hmm. And they had me at that point too. They also had me at the point where it was at the end the end of the brand split, and nobody in corporate was paying attention to SmackDown. So they can get rid of, they can do literally anything they wanted to. And so CM Punk got to run with this uh, straight edge society gimmick. And yes. that's why I came back. Because I was like, Bro- man, they're really letting CM Punk like go crazy with this stuff. And then you so find out that actually nobody was watching SmackDown in the office. Like, and so like they weren't, they had no hands in it. <laughs> so like they literally got to run amok there. And the, the writing team there was like, no, we're going to go with CM Punk. <laughs> so like. And that was that was a great time to be watching wrestling. You know, Luke Gallows was a pretty decent, you know, guy to the, and then that chick with her bald head looked Serena Deeb. Yeah, looked great with a bald head. You know, yeah, Serena, I was okay yeah. with that. Uh, whoa, whoa, whoa! I'm, I'm, I'm with you, your naked men, there, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you this right now, uh, I don't, Tim. I know you don't really watch now, but. I know whoa, you've heard whoa, whoa. about them. This is the Michael I know you don't watch wrestling show. <laughs> it's true. Don't throw this at me. Oh, you Sorry, don't Tim. like it now, do you? <laughs> but okay. you know, uh, you know, obviously, I'm sure you heard about the Mae Young Classic that yeah, they yeah. did with I, all the yeah. women. Uh, Serena, Serena Deeb, the former Straight Edge Society girl, was a part of that yeah, Mae Young Classic. Yeah, but Serena, if you recall, she got fired from WWE because she wasn't doing the gimmick. She's like a real life drunk. <laughs> and so they got rid of her for that, that yeah. she was like oh, wow. playing this she character on TV. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, she, she kind of got to come back and do the Mae Young thing, which I thought I didn't, I haven't watched any of the Mae Young classics. I couldn't tell you how good it was, but kind of cool for her. A little bit of a redemption story. If you didn't know that, you know, um, let's see who, okay, Travis. So did you ever have a moment where you went back into wrestling? I did a little bit. Um, it was actually the, I think two or three months leading up to Undertaker versus Lesnar. Mm. I got I got back into it. I'm like, you know, WrestleMania is about to come up. I heard he's going to face Lesnar. I want to see what they're doing. It seems like a good match. You know, in the back of my mind, I didn't think you know he's going to be. They were going to beat the shit out of me with that match, which yeah. that one hurt. Yeah. But the two or three months leading up to that, I had a lot of hope for it. Yeah. yeah. And then it was taken away. It was taken away. It very was a harshly. great match up until that. He won. What? Yeah. You're like, huh? Like, yeah. No. Did he really count the three, or did he just not get his shoulder up? Cause I think there was a miscount. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was... See, I didn't mind that, because... And I don't know how you feel about it, Carl, but that was a great story to me. 
But yeah, I, I was good with the streak being over. Yeah, I didn't. I, I will say this: I, I'm not. I wasn't in love with the person who did it, and I'm not one of those people like Lesnar makes sense to do it because of who he is and you know the UFC background and all that stuff. But and even though I'm not big on like titles being props, I do think it would have been cool for someone who didn't need it. You know, and I know you don't like the whole didn't need it, didn't need it thing, but like Lesnar is a made man. Like I feel like if you gave someone an, to make a new star, which WWE has so much trouble with making guys that can be stars. Now, maybe they can't do it themselves, but that would have been a good with the right story behind it, a good opportunity. But you know, they went with a guy that makes sense from a realistic it's perspective. Be a, a contrarian here. Cause that is what oh. I do with my life. Okay. Yeah, that's fine. The thing is that would have made a great highlight reel for somebody new. Yeah. But the, the real struggle is what they would do with it afterwards. And with the other yeah. being a part-timer, a one-time only deal, the WWE is in, almost incapable of keeping momentum going. Like, right. you look at Braun Strowman, he lost to the, uh, he lost, he lost to Braun, or Brock Lesnar, and they had nowhere for him to go from there. Sure. So it's like yeah. that loss didn't have to affect him. But it ended up affecting him in the long run because they, they didn't have an end game. They pushed right. Braun Strowman because the fans wanted it. That's what they wanted. And, yep, they got it. Well, and, and to, to their credit with Lesnar, since that moment, other than the loss to Goldberg at Survivor Series last year, Lesnar's been essentially unstoppable mm-hmm. since he beat the streak. I mean, so they did. Oh, I, they I, I agree. It makes sense. I agree. Yeah. He should have lost to Brock. But what I'm saying is the next night, something should have happened. Right, right, right. Because I gotcha. they, they, they needed to keep his momentum up. He lost, so the next night they should keep his momentum up because really a loss should not matter. When you're writing a good story, a loss should not right. matter. But what ended up happening the next night is he came out and destroyed some cruiser rates and then flipped off me because he's like, fuck you, there's no angle going on right now. <laughs> fuck you for watching this. You thought we were going somewhere, but I'm going to punt you in your testicles. They didn't go anywhere with this, so... That upset me, and that was one of those moments where I came back. It's like, oh, they're really going to push this new guy. He's going up against right. Brock, Le- Brock Lesnar. Brock Lesnar! <laughs> Your voice is higher, so you do it better. But, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it just didn't. And then the next night, it, it, that's one of those moments where it's kind of like the CM Punk thing. He would have great promo after great promo, but the WWE could not keep up with his momentum. Yeah, storyline went nowhere in the end because he had the pipe bomb, which was fantastic. He had yep. his promo against Kevin Nash where he just ran circles around him. Yep. They had that great one with uh, Triple H where he's like, you know, this is not CM Punk talking to Triple H. This is uh, Phil Brooks talking to Paul Levesque. Paul Levesque, yeah. Okay. Oh, Levesque, yeah. That was he had great. a good one with Vince McMahon as well, and I then, thought. There, after I mean, that promo, Triple H beats him. Yeah. They go their separate ways. <laughs> and it's like, okay, so you just didn't know what you were doing. That's fine. Don't tell me that yeah. you do, though. Don't don't give me a pipe bomb and then the next week be have... Yeah, CM Punk wasn't on the next episode. Because right. he did the pipe bomb and they're like, they're playing up this suspension gimmick where he wasn't there the next week. Right. It's like, okay, let's just kill the momentum <laughs> of the best promo of the decade yep. by yep. just not having him there. Okay, whatever. And then they, they to, to counter that, when CM Punk won the title and left, they did another Raw where he wasn't there, which is fine. That's the gimmick. He's not supposed right. to be there. He has the title. And he was posting, like, hilarious, like, Twitter and Instagram pictures of, like, 
the world title in his refrigerator with like yep. you know, Pepsi <laughs> and stuff all around it. It's hilarious. And he was really playing up that gimmick. And then the next week he shows back up on Raw. It's like, okay, yeah. so that was it. He's back. That's like that they brought him back when they shouldn't have and kept him off when they shouldn't have. Yeah. Like exactly. they got him They can't keep him as going because they just don't get it. it. It was weird. But anyway, who who have we not done yet? You. Oh, well, okay, so I just talked about one. That was the CM Punk part. Um, oh, well, I came back for the, uh, you know, Straight Edge Society part, and I just felt like when they're like, this is really good, but we're going to we're gonna merge the brands again, and CM Punk's just good. We're just going to hold them down a little bit for right now. Um, and then, he, of course, he got injured right after that and did the announcing thing. So I started watching um, NXT. I started watching um, Punk, who was hilarious as a commentator on NXT. Did you watch that? Not really, no. I didn't want. That's like before they were NXT that they are now. Yeah, right. YouTube yeah, it. YouTube it. It's like, because I mean, he I've commentated for the season of the Divas, the NXT like all women, mm-hmm. and God, he's talking about he's like I normally don't watch these matches with my pants on, or like he was talking <laughs> about he was talking about like somebody missed a move, he he would call it out and be like, not even close. <laughs> like, like, oh, almost it was there. Fantastic. Like, you should YouTube it because there's actually a couple of videos where it's just his one liners and they're hilarious. Yeah. They're fantastic, like, and they never should. But again, they're like mm, NXT. Let's let's take Punk off there, and let's just make it another shit show. So that's what they did. <laughs> you know, it's like I'm telling you, I, I keep going back because I'm like, okay, this got my interest, and like, we're not gonna do that anymore. Oh, okay, I guess I'm leaving again. You know, it's like I come back, you know, just recently for the Braun Strowman thing, and nothing. He's doing. They added him to a tag team match. He was he was an afterthought. And it was just to push this cane angle, which I don't. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm not. I'm not anti-cane, but no, uh, at the no, same no, time, really. it's like he's like the he's the original Bray Wyatt. His his good? his angles never made sense. They would yeah, throw him in much. there, and be like, "Oh, he just attacked him because fuck you, he's Kane." And, and to be oh. fair about Kane, his debut is one of my is might be my favorite wrestling debut mm-hmm. ever. Uh, that that match, that Bad Blood match from '97, two? Hell in a Cell. Who's number two? Number two debut. Yep. Ah, that's a good question. Finn uh, Balor, not Chris Jericho. I don't know why you're on this podcast. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, oh. I do like Chris Jericho's debut. That's a good promo, but man, it's hard to talk. Yeah, that I'm was for months. Like, oh. It was before Chris Jericho's contract at WCW even ran out. They were doing the yeah. countdown because they knew they were bringing Chris Jericho, and so yeah. like his, he had his contract with WCW and. They phased him out. They made him do. They made him put up the ring like he was like the maintenance guy for Chris Jericho. And meanwhile, they're having this countdown on WWE. We were watching it back then, and then they, they, he debuted, and he was supposed to be a heel. He was the bad guy, hmm. so he badmouthed The Rock. Yeah. He badmouthed yeah. WWE. He badmouthed the product, and it was so good. He was such a good heel that backstage everybody hated him. They thought he was being for real. They're like. You just came from WCW. You're going to talk shit about our product. So yeah. he got kicked out of the locker room. He got, <laughs> he got kicked out of the team said, No, you're not changing yeah, here. Yeah, he changed in the hallways. Like, they, they were pissed at him because he's like, I'm just a really good heel. Like, what do you want me to say? That was just a <laughs> promo. I was in character. But, yeah. yeah They're was, like, no, we don't believe you. <laughs> uh, the Miz's debut was really good. Did you ever watch that one? Which one? The Miz. Where he's the Miz. The Miz's debut? Yeah, where he's doing the uh, Diva search. I, I don't remember that. I don't think I was... I may not have been watching at that time. Catchphrase? <laughs> I don't remember that. Bad. Bad stuff. Um, <laughs> but you should YouTube this segment where the Miz is introducing the Diva search contest. Yeah. And forgets the name of the WWE. 
Wow, how is that even possible? He's like, just uh, go to our uh, our website at um, and he looks behind him. He's like, it's like WWE dot text the number, text the number that he looks at his wrist for the number. Oh my god, it was so fantastic. And it's, it's weird to think that that's the Miz because if you yeah. watch SmackDown now, which I do YouTube every Miz segment, he's yeah. he, there's nobody that can compete with him. Nobody. Yeah. He's, he's on a whole other level than anybody else. I, I guarantee it. He, I mean, he made he made Enzo Amore look foolish. I mean, granted, they were kind of playing up to that uh, Enzo, the whole Enzo backstage yeah. shit or whatever. But and Miz, that's one of those meta things. It's like, was that real? Was yeah. Miz telling him for real that? Is he like, dressing him down and on live television? Yeah. yeah, that was an outstanding promo. To the Miz is he's he is one of the main reasons I still watch right now. And because I I love promos. Like, oh no, turn no. Off. Honestly, like if you watch the Miz and only the Miz, like I do, it, SmackDown's not that bad. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, it's I, raw I, now. I, I it's remember raw. a friend of mine that said SmackDown's pretty good. It's got a new writer, Mike. You should go watch it. Oh yeah. Invest in WWE Network and all that stuff. I never said that. <laughs> I never told you to get the I'll network. Just mess. I would never tell you to do that. Oh God! Oh, he jumped that's the like, gun there. That's like, oh my God! That's like letting them punch you in the face and then paying them ten dollars. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, sir. May I have another? You should, you should go to their shop.com and buy all their shirts and everything. <laughs> um, okay. Well, do you want to plug anything? You want to plug anything? Yeah. Uh, well, obviously, I've, to our uh, sixty listeners. I got a plug, you know, I got to give a plug. Uh, me and a couple of my buddies who you've already heard on Tim's, uh, on this podcast, uh, we've got our own, it's called, it's called the SMC podcast. Smart, smart, Mark and contrarian is what it's supposed to mean. It's kind of, we're kind of a mishmash, even though we've given each other labels. Uh, we kind of all kind of bounce around at what, what the actual label is, but, um, you can follow, find me on Twitter, of course. Um, at K-E-R-V-I-N-S-M-C. And I hope if you guys, Michael, Travis, if you guys have Twitter, y'all should follow me too. And I'll follow back. I'm that kind of guy. I will follow back. Uh, so do that uh, and follow the podcast at the SMC podcast. That's that's the only plug I do. I don't do Facebook. I do write on lordsofpain.net. I'm on the main page there. <laughs> it's an afterthought. I do yeah. write for a website. I do. The, the reason why it's an afterthought is because I hardly ever write. Like, I write every two, two and a half weeks. That's about the deadline, too, isn't it? Three weeks? Three weeks is the deadline. Yeah, I've got to write something soon, actually. Cool, man. I'll talk to you later. Awesome. All right. All right. Y'all take it easy, guys. Everybody, thank you for tuning in to the very last episode of the Unsanitary Pod Sauce, the only pod sauce hosted by me, Tim Rose, and my partner, Michael Riker. I want to thank everybody who did listen. I appreciate all the feedback that we got and all the listeners that we had, but unfortunately, it just wasn't worth the time for now. We could be back or we could not be. I don't want to make you guys wait. I can't guarantee anything. Maybe we'll be back. Maybe we won't be. We're kind of like your old dad before he walked out. We could be back, or maybe we've left with the secretary. It could be either way, really. I don't want you to wait around for me, and I hope you enjoy your new dad. We could be back with a diff format, or maybe we'll keep this one and continue. It just depends on if our schedules lighten up a little bit, because it doesn't seem to be that way right now. But... 
we might see you again in the future. I really hope that we do, um, as we did kind of enjoy this. It just got a little too stressful at times with all the editing that was involved around the other editing that I do for other pages. And maybe next time, Michael can be a part of both the intro and the outro. All right, everybody, take it easy.